Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Jacob Scipio to talk all about his current projects. He is currently preparing in Netflix's Pieces of Her, the TV series, as well as the movie The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And actually, I wanted to start with talking about the movie with The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, because I find your, you know, the, the level of detail that you go to in terms of character preparation sounds like it's very intensive as a process. And for this particular project, you know, you're playing a character where to such an interesting degree he holds a lot inside and we don't necessarily hear a lot of dialogue come out of his mouth but he's always there observing and kind of at the center of whatever's going on on screen and so within that I was really fascinated in what that character development process looked like you in terms of the detail that you tend to go into. Oh yeah thank you thank you for noticing that um I, I like to as a rule of thumb for my characters know where they've been from the moment they were born to the moment page one of the script starts so I like to do a character studies for my characters um yeah from their upbringing all the way through their education and uh, I just like to know my guy and uh, and often we don't use a lot of what goes into it because the character study is like 30 pages long and uh, it would have to be a whole nother movie <laughs> to, to cover everything but um yeah, I, uh, it just it just helps me make decisions and uh, find where I'm at. Does it also give you a lot of freedom when you then show up on set because you've done all of that homework beforehand that you can kind of almost throw it away because it's very intrinsic in you at that point. And so when you go into scenes, it's not about, you know, logistically going through the different elements for your character, but really just the feeling that you have based on everything you've created. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the more prep that you do, uh, the more easy it is to to reach for exciting and new things within your character. Um, and it helps with the director like Tom Gormican or Dylan Bilal that I worked with on Bad Boys and I'm working on Batgirl with now. Um, I've been really lucky to work with directors who are so up for improvising and finding new ways to to say what's on the page. So I get to do that preparation, um, I get to I get to draw into it quite quickly, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And was this movie in particular a project where you know Tom allowed a lot of space for improvisation? And and what were some of the moments for your character that came out of that as a result? You know, Tom and Kevin had written this script, which was just so dynamite and funny. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, it was on the blacklist, um, which you know speaks to how incredible it was. So there really wasn't any need for any sort of uh, improvising because it was all right there. When, you know, I, I like to improvise, but I don't want to mess with, uh, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. If it's already all there, then, you know, just uh, keep it simple and, and, and say, the, say the lines. And the script's so brilliant and, and the comedy is so fantastic and, and very specific. But what's so interesting is there's different styles of comedy at play within the film as well. You know, the, the performance that Nicolas Cage is giving is a very different type of comedy. You know, and you're kind of one of the people that's actually having to, to play more of the straight man comedy. And so yeah. what was that dynamic like in terms of everybody finding the tone together and coming into scenes and really playing the straight man in, in a lot of moments? Well, it was a trip, man. We had this scene which didn't make it into the final cut, sadly, but it's this part where uh, Carlos, my character, um, is just screaming in Nicolas Cage's face in Spanish about how much he hates him as a person and hates, he's like, I hate your shitty movies, I hate your shitty face, I hate everything about you. But it's all in Spanish. And at the end, Nick just replies like, 
thank you. Like, gracias. Like, like he understands it all. <laughs> so that was a real trip. Um, like shouting at one of your acting idols, telling him how, how, how crap he thinks he is. Uh, not me, my character, obviously. Um, and him just, him just taking it all in because, you know, it's him. He's playing himself, a version of himself, no doubt, but it's still Nick Cage, you know? And it sounds like the dynamic off screen in, in working with Nicolas Cage and, and a lot of the other cast was this real place of, of conversations about cinema, about movies and, and classical cinema in particular as well. And I always love hearing stories like that because does that really shape the dynamic that you're then able to bring on screen? Because it's so much about just creating that rapport, getting a sense of each other's rhythms. You kind of know each other's taste and, and style that you all love. And, and that really kind of can then transfer over into when you're working on scenes you know if we weren't shooting the movie we were talking about movies like it was just this one big av fan club on set it was awesome i remember the last day my last shooting day it was just me and nick and we were um the location was this abandoned shopping mall in uh, uh in budapest um and night shoots you know you start to get a little bit delirious around like the 2 3 a.m mark and everything's just stupid and funny so me and Nick got to talking and we hypothesized that if this abandoned shopping mall actually was dawn of the dead and we imagined if like all the cast turned into zombies and like how we would break out um so that's what we spent doing my final day he get, I got this pillow from him actually and he signed it on the back and he said to Jacob fun working with you on dawn of the dead <laughs> It's amazing. So that gives you an idea of like what we were doing yeah. in between takes. It was just one big love fest for movies. And I think you can see that within the film. It's super self-referential and super meta. And uh, yeah, it was so much fun. And it also sounds like going back to even what you were talking about at the beginning in terms of your own preparation process, that that was very much the dynamic across the board. You know, Nicolas Cage is someone who also very meticulously prepares and comes in with a lot of ideas for particular moments for his character. Um, and so what was the dynamic that that created when it came to filming scenes and, and everybody kind of having those conversations right before you go into filming a moment about what direction you want to take and what you want to try, given that everybody's showing up having done their homework to such a meticulous level you know Nick's the type he's probably the most committed and well-prepared actor I've ever worked with um he knows the script inside out and um that just really elevates everything it makes everyone bring their a-game because you know you've got a true like sensei master in Nick Cage but also this weird duality because he's like a student of film as well and always learning always reading always watching so watching like observing him and working with him um it just made me appreciate the craft so much more um and yeah like i say really elevated everything we uh it was a comedy for sure and but you know we all really cared and we all wanted to make the best movie possible and you're talking there about the quality of observing him as an actor that you're working with, but also that's very much the dynamic of your character. He's such a keen observer of everybody around him and probably watching what's going on more than anyone else. And how did that inform the way that you played a lot of scenes being that there's a lot of kind of active listening and observation going on for you, for him? Yeah. I mean, I was just doing what my character was doing. I was, sit I was sitting back and observing and enjoying the show a lot of the time, you know, it was, uh, 
it was in the middle of COVID when I was offered the role and my agent was like, do you feel like going to Croatia for two months and shooting a movie with Pedro Pascal and Tiffany Haddish and Nick Cage? And I was like, yeah, let me, let me check my diary. Let me see what else I've got on here. No, it was literally like an angel had come and like picked me and plucked me and dropped me in this fever dream fantasy. Um, it was, yeah, just an incredible moment. Incredible moment we made something so magical from it. And because it was filming in, in the height of, of COVID, you know, your director, Tom, actually came down with COVID at one point. Mm. Um, and that created a really interesting dynamic in being kind of directed by him, but through digital technology versus him being able to be on set. And then Kevin Etten, his co-writer, kind of stepping in as well. And so what was, what was the way in which everybody found a new way of working together? And what was the dynamic that that created when that happened for you all? Well, when we first found out that Tom got COVID, we were obviously all concerned, and, you know, hoping that everything was all fine. And thank God it was. Um, and once we got over that initial scare and got back to work, it was a real trip having a director give you um, direction from an iPad. Um, like, a, a, like a PA would come up to you with an iPad and it would just be Tom's face on it and be, he'd be giving you notes like some sort of mad technocratic Wizard of Oz. Um, directing from his his bedroom, which I'm sure a lot of directors would actually uh, like <laughs> to do, <laughs> but not Tom. He's certainly hands-on, and I'm sure he missed it a lot not being there in and amongst it. But yeah, it was crazy. They they threw up um, GoPros, like 20 GoPros, all around the set. So Tom got a view of uh, like a 360 degree view of the set, and then also you know he had all his monitors set up as well. So it was. It, it was a slight pivot and definitely strange. Um, but yeah, we still got the job done in the end, which is uh, what it's all about. That's so incredible, the, the detailing that went into figuring out a solution for that. And, and jumping over to talking about Netflix's pieces of her, you know, and going back to that character preparation process. Um, I've heard you mention that for this character that you really kind of broke it down in, into four different stages, you know, starting with when he was born and the fourth stage being where he is now and, and then kind of everything that comes in the middle for him. Um, and so what were some of the, the main details that came out of that process in terms of shaping your character for this series from that? You know, with Michael Vargas, it was so much was was um, was on the page there for me. Um, but like I said, I like to I like to break it down um, into a couple stages. So the first one was the cultivation, I call it, which was you know his upbringing and where he was born. The second was the enlightenment, which was his education and going into the army and getting kicked out. The next was the footprint. Um, which basically where he started his, uh, his career in asset forfeiture and fugitive apprehension, and then moving on to witness security in uh, the US Marshal Service. Um, so those were the main kind of sections of his life, which I broke down, um, which, yeah, like I said, it really, it really helps me and it gives me an insight into, into who the guy is. And uh, Minky, our director, is another fantastic artist who is so... Um, ready to collaborate and so ready to bring on um, different ideas on board. So we actually managed to work in a few things, which, um, which I, uh, I discovered about my character along the way into That's the so final piece, which was great. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually with both of these characters for both of these projects, there's moments where we're not necessarily sure where their allegiances lie. Um, and do you think very much about the audience in that regard in terms of, 
what you want them to know when you want them to know it? Or is it very much just about staying very true to the character and what's on the page? Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a phantom thread throughout my characters that I've played in the past where it's like, it's either a good guy and you don't know if he's bad or it's a bad guy and you don't know he's good. And I like that duality. I like towing that line because as we know, humans are complicated beings and it's, it's not always going to be black and white. Um, there's this great line in Batgirl, which uh, my character says, and he says, uh, good and bad don't always mean black and white. There are a million shades of grey in a city as dark as Gotham, um, which I just thought was so brilliant. And it really rang true to me. And um, I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> representative of who I am as a person. Maybe, maybe I'll save that one for therapy. <laughs> I mean, with, with Mike and pieces of her that, you know, that gray area, there's so much space that you get to play to within that and that space in between. And especially with the added dynamic of, of how little the audience knows at the beginning of where his allegiances lay, um, you know, what were some of the gray areas that you really found that were very rich to play within, within him? You know, that initial part in the first couple of episodes where you don't know where his allegiances lie. I love that. It's, it's almost like playing a game of cat and mouse with the audience because, you know, you, you don't want it uh, too soon, too fast. You know, you, you want, especially in a, in a, in a, mini, in a mini, mini series like this, where you have the opportunity to, to stretch the characters out and, and dive into their psyche a bit more. You, wanna, you don't want to give it all away at the beginning and uh, you want to go on a journey with these characters, which, uh, which thankfully we did um, with Mike. Mm-hmm. And and you did um, some stunt and weapons training before you went into filming this project, but that's something that you've also done for, for other projects as well. What was the benefit of, of stepping into it, going into some of that training and having some of that experience already in your back pocket, but yeah. then being able to think very specifically for this character, what would his specific skill set be? What would, what would be the way that he would hold a weapon as a character? Yeah, Mike in particular, of all my roles, he's... Um... He's more of a cerebral ca- character rather than a muscular character, which is um, more like some roles I've played in the past. But luckily, because of you know that training and experience that I'd had in, in previous roles, I got to bring a bit of that into Mike in, in the fight sequence in the motel room. And initially it started as just a kind of a, a quick punch up and then out. But I really wanted to ground it and make it super brutal and show the audience um, this is the first time that you see where Mike's allegiances lie and that's with protecting Andy. And I wanted to knock it out of the park with that. I wanted to, I wanted to really protect her, <laughs> her character. Um, I wanted Mike to really put his flag in the sand in that moment. So we did a couple, four or five different um, rehearsals with the great stunt team and uh, my scene partner also. And we just drilled it and drilled it and drilled it until we were dripping with sweat. But um, the end result, as I'm sure you can see, um, is uh, it's a real fight, man. A real, real. It feels like it could be a fight to the death. Then that's that's really what I wanted to to explore. And it is a great scene. And like you said, that's the moment where we really know, you know, he is there as a protective element for Andy. You know, there's no question after that moment. And so, how did that really flip the script and change the way that you were then able to play all the subsequent scenes? Because then it's about the connectivity that starts to develop more between the two of them because she knows that to be true as well as the audience. Mike and Andy have like a really strange relationship. It's sometimes like brother and sister, sometimes like best friends. Sometimes it's like a protector, uh, but they both learn from each other along the way, which is the beautiful part. And when you have two people who are 
wouldn't necessarily in normal life get together. But when you throw them into a chaotic experience, a traumatic experience, that trauma binds them. And that's something that Mike and Andy will have for the rest of their lives, going through that experience together, which, um, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is, and you're bringing up the idea there that they're obviously both learning things from each other. It's not just Andy learning from Mike. What did you want him to take away from, from Andy as a character and really absorb into him? Mike's, Mike, a lot of the time, is a bit robotic. He's a bit dogmatic, and that's down to his training, his military training, and his, his martial training. You know, he's he's well drilled, and he Andy's messy when you meet her, and I think that starts to rub off on Mike a little bit. He uh, he lets slip a couple of things that perhaps he wouldn't usually, and I think that's a testament to how much he cares about her. Um, when emotions are involved, anything can happen. And I think uh, something which Mike would have learned from Andy along the way is to, you know, just loosey-goosey, baby. Loosey-goosey. <laughs> Did that kind of allow you to, to play him a little bit differently and, and add certain nuances where it's like he has that looseness, but also just feels a little bit more comfortable opening up and even his body language can be a little bit more relaxed as, as we go by episode by episode? Yeah, yeah, he's kind of uh, tight and stoic and uh, statuesque in the beginning, and uh, and as as it progresses, he certainly opens up more. Um, his his heart opens up more as well, and that goes back to the the character study, which which I uh, which I worked on. I I had this idea that he'd already been married and he'd had a child, and then they'd lost the child, and they couldn't him and his ex wife couldn't take that, so then they split. So since then, he's just uh, hard as nails, tough as a rock, and he's uh, he's never opened up again until he meets Andy. And with that stoicness that he has at the beginning, were there challenges that came with that in playing a character and, and trying to capture elements like what you were just talking about that you concocted for him as a character, which speak to a real undercurrent of emotion in him? Or were you not as concerned about whether those, those elements came out early on, knowing that there was the build to it for him to open up more as time went on? Yeah, I think I had... Um an intention or a feeling to really want to um, really want to explore the character and and be as free as I could in that character. And Minky just is so great. She she um I didn't realize what she was doing at the time, but what she was doing was, was grounding me and bringing me bringing me back down, you know, and really just fine tuning the performance. Um, so that bar scene which you see at the beginning, which I think is Mike's first major scene was my first day on set and we spent the entire day shooting that and uh minx the whole way through was just like just like bringing it down bringing it down and um and it, it really grounded the performance into like a really uh it's like it's like a like a diamond almost like she just filed away at it until she found exactly what she wanted she's so exact and precise um which was a new experience for me um working with a director who uh who knew exactly, exactly um, what they wanted and how they wanted it. So I kind of gave myself over to her and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm just a conduit here and, and this is your story because she had a 360 degree view of the entire, of the entire story. You know, she directed all um, eight episodes. So it's uh, sometimes the job is just knowing about where you fit in the story. Yeah. 
and with her having that that level of specificity that she knew coming into each moment um was that something where in pre-production there was an opportunity to kind of really go over a lot of those details with her or was it very much right before you were filming a scene and just having those quick conversations before you filmed something it was the entire way through she was so uh, communicative uh, she, she had such great um, communication with me it was open the entire time we had a long, long, long chain of uh, emails going back and forth about the character. Um, she was just such an open book in that way and just ready and available anytime to speak about the character, which was a, a beautiful experience. So it, it happened from pre-production all the way up until, you know, when we were shooting those conversations. That's amazing. And everyone who works on this project talks about her in, in such high regard in that way as well. Um, you know, and, and with this character as well, Mike's also someone who, especially because of his training, is very much a by the book guy, but also not afraid to step outside of the lines when there's a necessity to it. How did you find those moments where you know, he was going to be very rigid and, and very kind of A-type and very specific to what the book would have him play by and then finding the moments where he would step outside of that and colour in his own way a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he he goes from being like a, a hunter, predator, pursuer type guy to more of a, a caregiver, babysitter, actor almost. Um, he... Uh, his his job is to is to build relationships and create trust, and it's, it's certainly more more cerebral um, in that way. But yeah, he he is super rigid when you meet him. But also, yeah, when it comes to protecting people that he cares about, he will color outside the lines. And you see that in the series. You know, you kind of think, what the hell is he doing? But um, yeah, love makes you do crazy things. And you you were talking earlier about um, that that way that trauma really bonds Mike and Andy together in this very unique space because of something that they share an experience that they've had that nobody else has been inside of or, or understands in the same way. And I love the way that you and Bella Heathcote really concocted that between the two characters. What was what was the process of the two of you working together to really figure out that very specific type of intimacy that had all those different dynamics and layers that you were talking about before? Bella is just such a fantastic uh, creator and, and again, so open. We kind of didn't discuss it. We just fell into it and it just, we were in lockstep like immediately, which is one of those rare things that happen when you, you, uh, you meet somebody who you share the screen with where you just totally understand um, each other. And I think that came from my preparation and understanding of the role and her preparation and understanding of the role. She, um, was in the trenches every day for six months, you know, with the, that with that show on her back, and, and she carried it so well. I just uh, just admire her. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you've also described him as someone who you feel like is quite comfortable in his own skin and and being by himself and doesn't necessarily need to feed off of the energy of other people around him. And was that something that you felt like had always been part of his personality that like, even as a kid, that was the way he was or that there were certain moments in life that had really contributed to that being his dynamic? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I, uh, I came up with this idea that he's the youngest of three boys and growing up, him and his brothers were always uh, fighting. Their bedroom was more like a, a boxing ring. So he had to learn how to defend himself early on. Um, being lost in that, in that pecking order made him stronger. Um, but then, you know, I worked into it that, you know, his dad would, their dad would pit them against each other and encourage the fighting. 
So it was a very uh, uh, tumultuous upbringing. And then I added that, you know, his brothers were gangbangers, but they didn't let him join any gang. So they looked after him in that way. And they were both, uh, they were both killed in, uh, uh, before his 18th birthday. Um, so he was certainly left alone, you know, when siblings are taken away from you, it's like a limb is lost. So he certainly feels parts of him, pieces of him have been taken away from, from himself. So he's had to learn to, to sit in that. So the, um, the marshal service was a perfect fit for him in that way, you know, because you're on the road a lot, you know, motels, cars, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely existence for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously these, these were both very different projects and very different experiences, but in reflecting on, on both of them, what are the things that you feel that you really had the opportunity to learn about yourself as an actor and, and kind of take away that you can carry on to future projects from each of them? That's such a good question. I mean, every role you learn something more about yourself. That's the beauty of, of, of the job. You know, you walk in people's shoes that perhaps you'd never normally walk in. So, you know, I think from the, I learn more from uh, the people around me. I'm, uh, I absorb a lot from people around me in that way. So, you know, unbearable weight, it was watching Nick up close, just, being an absolute master of his craft, and then on uh, and on pieces of her, it was it was the whole ensemble really. We um quite a few of us were living in the same building in uh, in Sydney, Australia, where we were shooting. So it was like this kind of uni halls vibe in there. We were we all got really close, and I certainly learned a lot from from all my classmates. Yeah, that's amazing, you know, and I think it's it must be so great as an actor as well to have two very different projects and very different types of performances out in the world at the same time so that people can see, you know, just a, a small segment of, of the breadth of scope of all of the type of work that you're capable of. And they're both such fantastic roles and characters. And it was such a joy to watch you in both. Thank you so much for talking about both of these projects, Jacob. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was great. <laughs>